Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for 10908, 10908, and this is a remake of part six of our teaching that we did on pharmacia and vaccinations. This is actually part two of the vaccination portion, and uh, I was forced to do a remake of this because there were some technical difficulties with the microphone. I've upgraded to a different microphone now, and hopefully we won't run, we won't run into that again. Uh, I should read this, too, in regard to uh, the information that I'm giving out, and it's really a disclaimer, okay, in regard to, uh, you know, the advice that I'm rendering, is I'm kind of sprinkling that in between certain things that we're saying. Uh, the disclaimer reads, it is your constitutional right to educate yourself in the arena of health and medical knowledge, to seek helpful information, and to make use of it for the benefit of you and your family. You are the one responsible for your own health. In order to make decisions in all health matters, you must educate yourself. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Scott Johnson are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medicine. If you have a severe medical condition, see a competent physician. I cannot claim to cure disease, but my goal is to help you make physical and nutritional changes in your own body so that your body can heal itself because God gave us our body and um, it is perfectly capable of healing itself, but it has to have the proper tools. And we want to avoid as many hindrances to that process as possible as well. So with that said, I'll continue with, uh, this would be part two of the vaccination series on pharmacia. And a uh, quote from uh, the, uh, so, uh, re- regarding, this is kind of something that complements the mild silver protein that I talked about too, uh, or sheds a little more light. It says, today's modern antibiotics kill over 100,000 Americans per year and cause horrendous liver and kidney damage, failure, and death, whereas um, the pre-1938 mouse over protein formulation has never caused one death. So this is something that not a lot of people understand. Their antibiotics are actually responsible for over 100,000 deaths per year. Devastates your own immune system. It kills all of the beneficial bacteria that line the intestinal tract. And it really leaves you in a lot worse position than when you started, ultimately. Not to say they're never needed, okay, in emergency situations, but to become dependent on them, you will develop what they call systemic candida in the body, or yeast. It will get into the bloodstream with... Um, really, all it takes is one cycle of antibiotics, and it's a, and then what happens is is the antibiotics will wear off, the infection will come back worse, the candida will build up, then you have to go back on antibiotics, and it never ends. And uh, when I talk about systemic candida or yeast, a lot of times people will think, well, that's a yeast infection that occurs in women, and that's not uh, really the normal, I guess, most people, particularly in America, that consume a lot of carbohydrates in particular, are loaded with candida or yeast. It actually gets into the bloodstream. It does get into the intestinal tract. It, it really gets into all parts of their body. And it will start to make your nutritional choices for you. People that crave sugars, people that would crave even alcohol all the time. I mean, alcoholics are all filled with candida. It ha- they just have to be. Yeast loves to eat Two things, carbohydrates and alcohol. And so people that are have a propensity toward a lot of sweets or carbohydrates, breads and pastas, and they can't get enough, well, typically they're probably loaded with candida, and the candida will take over their food choices, and ultimately, um, you know, if they go on antibiotics, it's a never-ending cycle. The mild silver protein is the best thing I know of to kill candida and yeast systemically. It can take some time, and you have to start slow. And I have a newsletter that I can send out. If you do order the product online, um, I have a newsletter I can send you specifically dealing with candida and the mild silver protein. You can email me and I'll, I'll 
make sure you get it. Uh, because you have to start slow with candida. I mean, you've got to, particularly women, they need to start out with a low dose because you can put yourself into what to call a Herxheimer reaction. And a Herxheimer reaction is called a die-off reaction where you're killing all the bad guys, but if you kill it too quick, your body can't get rid of it quick enough and you start to feel pretty rough. You can get headaches and things of this nature that go on. It doesn't kill you or anything, but it, it's just not fun to go through. So you always want to make sure you're drinking plenty of water when you initially start the mouse liver protein. It's also good to take a good natural probiotic separately from the mild silver protein. This puts the good bacteria back in the intestinal tract, which is what competes with the candida in the intestinal tract. There should be about a 90 to 10 ratio in the intestinal tract of the good bacteria and even candida, because candida is a natural thing. But it's just the problem is, is when it gets out of ratio and out of control, then it becomes a bad thing. So anyway, I won't say anything more about that, but Going further on the vaccination issues, uh, we have the graphical evidence that show us that vaccines did not save us. I'm looking at all these different graphs. Um, and these graphs, I'll just read, the above graphs are based on the official death numbers as recorded in the official yearbooks of the Commonwealth of Australia and are taken from Greg Beatty's excellent book, Vac- Vaccination, A Parent's Dilemma. And I give you a link you can go to here. Again, this is all going to be up in PDF format. Not everything that I'm saying about Oh, the different and various and sundry health issues that I'm talking about, but the stuff on the vaccinations, a little bit on the mild silver protein, the, the things that I mentioned before on the hydrogen peroxide, that will be up on this PDF. These graphs represent the decline in death rates from infectious diseases in Australia. They clearly show that vaccines had nothing to do with the decline of death rates. Note that the graphical the graphical evidence on the decline in death rates from infectious diseases for the USA, England, New Zealand, and many other countries shows the exact same scenario as above. Now, what I'm looking at here in this graph is like the first one, whooping cough. We're looking at the death rate in 1880. Um, I'm I'm imagining this is, I don't know, out of 100,000, and it was a very, very high death rate. And then by 19, let's say, 40, when the vaccine was introduced, the death rate had been reduced... Between 1940 and 1960, when the vaccines were introduced for whooping cough, you have about, it looks to be, at minimum 90 to 95% reduction. Yet they'll take credit for the vaccine wiping out the whooping cough. Okay, And that's, that's wrong because it was already in major decline before they ever implemented the vaccine. And this is true with every single disease you can look at. So a lot of times people say, yeah, but polio, it cured. Well, you have to look at the graphical evidence, and that's a black and white thing. The, the graphical evidence doesn't lie. Diphtheria, the same thing. You've got, uh, it looks to be when the vaccine starts in 1880, and then the vaccine was implemented in uh, 1935 and 1950. You're looking at about, by the time it was implemented, anywhere from an 80 to 95% decrease um, in that, in diphtheria, when the vaccine was released. Now, we're going to talk about why this is in a second. It's very simple. And then measles. Measles was almost, when they introduced the vaccine in the 1970s, it looks like, or late 1960s, the death rate was almost down to zero, as it was, you know, up from you know, quite a bit. So you, you'd you almost have, it looks like oh, 95, 98% reduction by the time the vaccine was introduced. But they just want to take credit for it. You know, how convenient. Then we have scarlet fever. Um, scarlet fever just died out of its, of its own self. No vaccine was ever introduced at all. Okay? But, the, but, you know, it died of its own accord. 
which is what all the other ones did too. Okay, typhoid fever, no no widespread vaccination ever for that, and it died of its own on its own course too. Um, and we're talking it killed a lot of people at one time. Okay, and um, from from 1910 to 19, it looks like 55. We've got almost a 99% reduction in typhoid fever without any vaccine ever being released. Um, then polio. Polio um, was in the vaccine was introduced in 1957, 1956. You had already seen in polio. Oh my word! It looks like a good 95% reduction by the time the vaccine was introduced. So. So what's the deal? What 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 actually caused these dramatic reductions? Well, let's read this um, uh, from a, a quote from Health and Healing, Dr. Andrew Wheel. Now, I don't recommend that guy. He's a new age or extraordinaire. But um, he best answers it with a statement and says, quote, Scientific medicine has taken credit it does not deserve for some advances in health. Most people believe the victory over infectious diseases of the last century came with the invention of immunizations. Well, again, this is propaganda. In fact, cholera, typhoid, tetanus, diphtheria, and whooping cough, etc., were in major decline before vaccines for them became available. What was the reason? The result of better methods of sanitation, sewage disposal, and distribution of food and water. That's what put the, these these rates in you know into this ninety to ninety five percent on average decline before the vaccine was ever introduced. Okay, so again, we've just now again these are from Australia, but these graph the graphical evidence that we're looking at here is the same for USA, England, and New Zealand, and many other countries show the exact same scenario as above. Okay, so um, anyway, I think that was important. Now the next part, I talk about the national vaccine. Actually, I, d- I don't talk about anything. I just give links to different organizations that can provide you health re- help regarding this this um, problem as far as the vaccine issue. There's the National Vaccine Information Center, which gives you the state immunization exemption laws, which are different for every state. Uh, Then you have the Liberty Council. And they're out of Orlando. Uh, Attorney Matt Staver, uh, his his, uh, sister was actually a patient of mine at one time. But uh, he helps people with, um, uh, if they're, Religious freedom, they feel, is being threatened and they're, and they're being strong-armed or forced by the government to take these vaccinations. He is a, an attorney that can actually help you with this particular problem. And again, the link is here. It's the Liberty Council, and you can look these up online as well. Uh, attorney Matt Staver. And then there's How to Legally Avoid Unwanted Immunizations of All Kind. That's Dr. Mercola. And we talked about him earlier. And then we have the Immunization Resource Guide, Where to Find Answers to All Your Questions About Childhood Vaccines. Um, www.healthychild.com and then the the one product that I if I can only recommend one product somebody would take to my patients regarding dealing with the aftermath of vaccinations and heavy metal exposure and or mercury amalgam dental fillings it would be the it's called NDF and they have NDF and NDF plus and you can go up to the internet www.bioray2000.com, the number 2000. And again, this is going to be in my PDF. Uh, go up there and you can research that. And they've got pre and post studies with autistic kids. They've got a lot of very impressive stuff. Now, if you're going to use this for mercury dental amalgam fillings, it's not going to do you a ton of good if you have the mercury dental amalgam fillings in your head still. And that's a dicey proposition because you got to find a 
a dentist that really, really, really knows what they're doing, or, or I guess, yeah, dentist. Um, you got to find a really good dentist, and there's um, there's actually groups up on the internet that you can keyword search for uh, uh, mercury free dentistry. And do your homework and find one that really goes the distance because there's a lot of things that need to be done if you're going to do that the right way. And uh, I really I don't have time to get into that subject anymore, but um, the NDF Plus would be something that, that you could do uh, for vaccinations, heavy metal exposure, mercury amalgam fillings, these types of things. It's very, very good for that. And it's a, it's a pricey product, but... Um, I believe it's really worth the money. And it's not a product you necessarily are going to have to do your rest of your life either. Okay. Uh, also, Dr. Sherry Timpany, she has a three-hour DVD entitled uh, Vaccines, Risks, the Benefits, the Choices. I don't see any benefits to them, but um, the excerpt to this DVD says, At a time when the vaccine controversy is becoming increasingly hostile, this arresting documentary offers an in-depth examination of the ever-changing vaccine debate. With incisive reasoning, over 6,000 hours of meticulous research, Dr. Tenpenny uh, delivers an eye-opening breakthrough seminar that will inspire even the most indoctrinated physician to re-examine their views on the controversial topic. Uh, this sounds like an infomercial. Anyway, uh, well-respected by her colleagues, Dr. Tenpenny is one of many physicians to offer documented proof. Now, she's, a, she's an MD again. That's all I've quoted from today, pretty much, are MDs or PhDs. Uh, she's offered documented proof that vaccines do compromise the immune system. Dr. Tenpenny has the courage and determination to express a minority view, substantiating her work with citations directly from the CDC documents and respected peer-reviewed journals, offering irrefutable facts that fly in the face of the information generally regarded as truth in traditional medical circles. Uh, this highly informative presentation offers the most comprehensive overview available guiding you step-by-step through the vaccination history, conflicts of interest, lack of scientific data to support current vaccine protocols. Uh, She paints a very clear picture of the immune system and and its threats and offers compelling information regarding the real risks of choosing not to vaccinate. And uh, the real risks, in other words, they're... (laughs) Again, she, she does an excellent job in that regard. So... I would I would say that with these resources that I get, give you at the end of, of this particular little part here, you're going to have you're going to be armed with just about anything you could possibly need in regard to this issue. Now, there's other people that have put out a lot of good stuff too, exposing this. I'm just trying to kind of distill it down for you, make it a little bit easier for you. Now, what I'm going to do do right now is read some quotes from some more medical doctors and um, PhDs and these types of people. This is from Dr. Robert Mendelson. He was the guy that um, we quoted from earlier, and a very, very famous doctor. And he says, quote, The greatest threat of childhood diseases lies in the dangerous and ineffectual efforts made to prevent them through mass immunization. There is no convincing scientific data that mass inoculations can be credited with eliminating any childhood disease. End of quote. Wow, that's a pretty... Pretty heavy-duty statement from a world-renowned medical doctor. Here's another one. This guy is Dr. Anthony Morris, former chief vaccine control officer and research virologist at the United States. Now, that's some serious credentials. This is a guy that's really been there and done it. He says, quote, There is a great deal of evidence to prove that immunization of children does more harm than good. End of quote. Now, I would put these quotes 
in my PDF file. I can send them to you separately, but the problem is, is these quotes all have their picture, and they're in like this little picture format, and I cannot get them on the PDF file because there's a limit to the size of the PDF file that I can upload onto Sermon Audio. And I looked at the size of this, and the size of these quotes alone is almost the limit to what I can do. So I won't be able to do this this uh, up on Sermon Audio, but I can email them to, to you separately if you let me know. You want the, the MD quotes from vaccines. Uh, then there's another guy, Archie Kalkarinos. He's got, again, more degrees than a thermometer, it looks like. Uh, PhD and all these other ones I don't even recognize. But he says, quote, The further I looked into, the, into it, the more shocked I became. I found that the whole vaccine business was indeed a giant, gigantic hoax. Most doctors are convinced that they are useful. But if you look at the proper statistics and study the instance of these diseases, you will realize that this is not so. End of quote. Uh, David Ab... Oh, oh boy, I can't even say his last name. A. Woyub. It's a real tongue twister there. He's an MD. He says, I am no longer trying to dig up evidence to prove vaccines cause autism. There is abundant evidence. The debate is not scientific, but is political. See, it's purely a matter of economics, and, you know, it's, pol- it's become political at this point. Dr. Bernard Rimland, Ph.D., said, The vaccine autism evidence is now overwhelming, despite the misinformation from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Institute of Medicine. Well, wow, those, are, those aren't even the pharmaceutical companies he mentioned. But he says they're the ones that are giving the misinformation. The CDC, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the Institute of Medicine. Why? Because they're all in cahoots together with the pharmaceutical companies that many times give gave them their right to exist and or have all kind of financial interconnections with those organizations. So it's no wonder. It's like the fox guarding the hen house. And then we have Boyd Haley. He's a PhD. He says, I think that the biological case against the Marizal is so dramatically overwhelming any more that only a very foolish or a very dishonest person with the credentials to understand this research would say that Thermarisol wasn't most likely the cause of autism. So, I mean, it's like a foregone conclusion here. And then there's Dr. Vernon Coleman. He says, my own personal view is that vaccines are unsafe and worthless. Another quote from Dr. Boyle Haley, and he is a professor and chair at the Department of Chemistry, University of Kentucky. He says... A single vaccine given to a six-pound newborn is equivalent is the equivalent of giving a 180-pound adult 30 vaccinations on the same day. 30 vaccinations on the same day. It's the equivalent when you give this to a newborn baby whose nervous system and immune system and every other system hasn't even had a chance to develop yet. I told you God's way for immunizing a child, and that is primarily through breast milk, but also through the first 48-hour period uh, where the mother secretes a substance called colostrum, which has all these immune, immune factors and immunoglobulins and proline-rich polypeptides and lactoferrin and all these really good things that build up the immune system. So one of the worst things you could possibly do as a mother is go, don't breastfeed at all, ever from the get-go. I tell a mother, if she's going to not breastfeed, at least breastfeed the first 36 72 hours. At least give them that chance, your baby, that chance. Okay? Um, and then, so, about the worst case scenario, don't breastfeed. 
Um, let them let them give them their shots right off the bat. You know they got to have their hepatitis B vaccine at birth. You know that's a really important one. That sexually transmitted hepatitis B. That's a real necessary one. And then just let them vaccinate them in their in their formative years and uh, get them on antibiotics. You know they're going to be way sicklier than the average kid if you do that. It's a proven fact. We we cited that study in Brazil and. Um, you know, it's, it's a it's a recipe for disaster most of the time. And yet, I am the type of person that's called a quack. And they're the ones that are vindicated because they have the white coats, they have the billions and billions of dollars, they have the big high and lofty buildings uh, and such. And you know, when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, I think that a lot of us are going to be very amazed at how deceived we really were, or when this life is over, I should say. Okay, when we're revealed all the ways, including myself, I'm not saying I'm not above being deceived. Okay, but I just think we're going to all be uh, amazed because we're living in the most deceptive time I believe the planet has ever, ever, ever known. And again, this is the chief way that you know the Antichrist is going to deceive. He's how is he going to do through lying signs and wonders, through miracles, through lies and deceit and these types of things. And evil, evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And the Bible says, "The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, and having their consciences seared with a hot iron." Okay, that's First Timothy four one. Now, when you talk about these people that are coming out with these studies and they're saying, oh, no, vaccines are, are wonderful and they did this and they did that and, and all this alternative stuff is a bunch of garbage and, and uh, there's really no, mer- oh, yeah, it's okay to, to eat healthy and this and that, but it's really not going to, they're speaking lies in hypocrisy. Well, how can they do this? Because their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. Things that would normally bother you and me don't bother these people. Okay? They don't have a conscience anymore. Why? Because they've given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Okay? It's a spiritual thing. Pharmakia, sorcery, pharmacy, witchcraft. It's all tied together and it's all in a spiritual vein. Okay? We're dealing with spiritual entities that are attached to this whole subject. And the Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes and principalities and rulers of wickedness in high places in Ephesians 6. So, I mean, this is where our true battle is anyway, so this really shouldn't surprise us that the devil's trying to take us out through these means. So, anyway, then we have the next quote, Dr. Jane Donegan. Oh, she's got a ton of degrees. And, um, she says, knowing what I know now, I would not vaccinate my children and run the risk of them getting diabetes, asthma, eczema, becoming more susceptible to meningitis, and ending up chronically disabled. That's what she says about it, okay? Because they're, they have implicated these vaccines with so many other different things, and we're going to talk about that more um, in the future here. Uh, then there's Vera Schreiber. She's a PhD. There's two quotes from her. She said, I did not find it difficult to conclude there is no evidence whatsoever that vaccines or any kind are effective in preventing the infectious diseases they are supposed to prevent. Further adverse effects are amply documented and are far more significant to public health than any adverse effects of infectious diseases. Immunizations not not only did not prevent any infectious diseases, they caused more suffering and more deaths that has has any human activity ever in the entire history of medical intervention. Man, that's a really strong statement. Let's read that last part again. Immunizations not only did not prevent any infectious diseases, they caused 
more suffering, and more deaths than any other human activity in the entire history of medical intervention. It will be decades before the mopping up after the disaster caused by childhood vaccinations will be completed. Now again, this is from a PhD. Okay, And then she has another quote. Vaccination procedures are highly politically motivated non-science. Whose, although yet they act like it's scientific. And it's non-science. Okay, Whose practitioners are only interested in injecting multitudes of vaccines without much interest in the care, interest or care as to their effects. It's like, you know, we just got to get these vaccines and we really don't care what happens. We just want to make sure we inject them as much as possible. Okay. Data collection on the reactions to vaccines is only paid lip service, and the obvious ineffectiveness of vaccines to prevent diseases is glossed over. The fact that natural infectious diseases have beneficial effect on the maturation and development of the immune system is ignored or deliberately suppressed. In other words, when we are exposed to different and various bugs, okay, and I don't mean getting hit with like Ebola, that will kill you, you know, real quick. I'm talking about the natural diseases that we're exposed to in childhood. Do you realize God intended it to be that way? Do you realize that? That he gave us an immune system for a reason? Remember that little gland I told you about called the thymus gland? Well, the thymus gland's job is to essentially analyze different things coming into the system and say friend or foe. Okay, if it's foe and, and, and it's exposed to something for the first time, many times you will get sick, okay? You might spike a fever, these types of things. Now, we, we're told that fevers are these things that are straight from the pit of hell and we have to lower them at all costs. A fever is God's built-in mechanism he put in our bodies. Remember, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. It's that mechanism that is what destroys the bad guys, like viruses and bacteria. They don't like an elevated body temperature. That's why the body creates a fever. You realize your body's what created it? Now, granted, if it's above 104 for hours upon hours upon hours, I don't have a problem lowering it. Okay, but the fever is there for a reason. And no, it's not fun to go through. But it's it's God's way that he built into our body of killing the bad guys. Now, if your body has ample amounts of zinc and vitamin C, true natural vitamin C, and I'm not talking about the ascorbic acid they sell in the uh, health food store. That's not real vitamin C, okay? Vitamin C is a complex. It is a, It is like, think of like a Cadillac, okay? A Cadillac has many parts. Vitamin C complex has things called P factors, J factors, K factors. It has an enzyme called tyranase. It has organic copper. It, the ascorbic acid portion of vitamin C is only the outer rim, and it's the actual protective component. But for somebody to extract ascorbic acid out of out of supposedly the vitamin C molecule, which they don't do, they synthesize it in a laboratory. For somebody to say that ascorbic acid is vitamin C is exactly the same as, as pulling that steering wheel off the Cadillac and handing it to the person and say, here's your Cadillac. Here it is. Here's the steering wheel. And you look at them and you say, well, that's not a Cadillac. It's part of a Cadillac, but it's not a Cadillac. Okay, but again, we're totally lied to about vitamins as well. And that's a whole other subject. I have a, I have a thing called um, synthetic versus uh, the difference between synthetic and natural vitamins that I can email you as well that explains that. Okay, and, and again, just what you want to do is stick to the way God, the Lord Jesus Christ, put it here on this planet. You know, as close to the whole food form or the whole herb form as you can get. 
Um, God doesn't need any help from man going into a laboratory and modifying things to make it supposedly better. When you do that, you remove it from its natural constituent environment and you essentially will many times negate the effectiveness because the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Okay, And that's the way God did things. So anyway, um, that's very important as well. So if we go further... Um, so she, she says, then consequently, parents of small children and any potential recipients of vaccines and other orthodox medications should be wary of any member of the medical establishment, which is little more than a highly politicized business system, extolling the non-existent virtues of vaccination. End of quote. Those pretty strong words from a, from a PhD. Pretty strong words from all of them. So, and then this is going to be the last part for today. I'm going to be... Now, these are actually... What I did is I went up to my PowerPoint presentation online. I have a PowerPoint presentation on avian flu. It's a 16-point, 16-part PowerPoint up on uh, YouTube, and I've got it up on Google, and it's not near as many parts up on Google. Anyway, if you go up to YouTube or Google, you do a keyword search for Dr. Scott Johnson, or you can email me, and I'll email them to you. Um, And you do Dr. Scott Johnson, and then just the word avian or flu, okay, you'll find them. So what I did is I just took some of the verbiage out, the pertinent verbiage out of this PowerPoint presentation on the slides that are up there. Now, if you if you watch it online, you're going to get the pictures and everything else, the full effects, okay? I even give you little 3D glasses you can wear while you're watching online. No, just kidding. Sorry, I got a little carried away there. Um, but anyway... These are uh, these are just the excerpts from that presentation, and we're going to start with um, this one, and it's in, it was regarding Project BioShield, medical martial law, and forced vaccinations. On July twenty first, two thousand four, President Bush signed the five point six billion dollar Project BioShield into law. Under Project BioShield, the government can impose mandatory vaccinations on Americans while simultaneously declaring martial law. On any emergency, real or imagined. I give you the link. You can go to online whitehouse.gov link. I'm not making this up. Project Bioshield again was signed by President Bush, July 21st, 2004. 5.6 billion dollars. Uh, government under this under this the government can impose mandatory vaccinations on Americans. Remember what I said before? We talk about mandatory while simultaneously declaring martial law. Based on any emergency, real or imagined. Well, that's pretty much open-ended there. And forced vaccination. Now, we've already seen how draconian and macabre this stuff is. Would you like them coming to your door and force vaccinating you, knowing what I just told you now? You see how why the Bible says we're destroyed for lack of knowledge? So, you know, we got we got to be really, really careful here. And remember, what the Bible says there in Hosea 4.6, it says, Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, and thou shalt be a priest to me no more. And, I will, and then it goes on to say, I will also reject thy children. So when we willfully reject truth, knowledge, you're putting yourself uh, in a very precarious position, biblically. Okay, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing as a watchman. I'm trying to warn, sound the trumpet, you know, Ezekiel 3 and 33, where it talks about that. Going further, the Military Vaccine Resource Directory, or, and again, I give you the links to all these organizations, they say the term biofascism describes the merging of the military medical establishment, the FDA and the public health bureaucracies, and the pharmaceutical medical cartels. Now, we're seeing a lot right now with, it says biofascism, this is the merging of the military medical establishment the FDA and health, public health bureaucracies and the pharmaceutical medical cartels. Now, they've been merging for a long time. But we're really seeing a lot of, in regard to the, just the term 
fascism right now in our country, okay, where we're taking the state, the government, the federal government is taking over. You know, hey, we, we had to bail out Freddie and Fannie Mac, and, and we're giving all of these billions and billions of dollars to a lot of these companies, and it's the government's doing it, okay? And a lot of times what they're proposing is actually taking over these failing institutions, because if the government doesn't do it, the economy's going to implode. There's always this excuse. But when you merge government with the business sectors, that's called fascism, Okay, this is biofascism. This is like the pharmaceutical side of it. And it says, what will American citizens do when nurses accompanied by armed police and soldiers come to their door and order them to be vaccinated? It's just something to think about. Uh, The Bible says, the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So knowing all the stuff I've told you, it would be prudent to make some um, provisions and measures and possibly, you know, to do this. Now again, we don't want to walk around in the spirit of fear. The Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. What we need to have is the fear of God because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, um, knowledge. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. These types of things. So this is something that we want to, um, that's the type of fear we want to have, but we also want to be prudent. And we're And what we're doing right now is we're foreseeing a lot of evil here. Okay, and God doesn't just show these things to you so you can just say, well, bless God, I don't really care. I'm just going to do whatever I'm going to do and flip through life and not even worry about nothing. Well, you know, if that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is really telling you to do, I would kind of be highly suspect of that. Uh, you know, if nothing else, if you're preparing to help other people, you know, think about that. Think, think about that you could be, you know, a light shining in darkness when all this stuff starts to go down. That you will have an answer. That people can turn to you and say, wow, you really knew this was going on. You know, you, you had been saying this before and I didn't listen to you and I have to apologize. This type of thing. Uh, in that regard, who knows how many conversions could take place to the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of your obedience. So it's just something to think about there. If we go further, So again, what will American citizens do when nurses accompanied by armed police and soldiers come to their door and order them to be vaccinated? Since 9-11, federal and state laws have been changed to now allow for this. The American people do not understand that the bioterrorism legislation passed by Congress since 9-11 make the U.S. Patriot Act look tame by comparison. Mandatory vaccination under an emergency declaration can be based simply on a potential threat of bioterrorism. Remember that um, any emergency, real or imagined, a potential threat, okay, they can lock us down. They were already threatening martial law the other day to those guys that didn't want to pass the bailout. That's a proven fact. Those guys in, in um, uh, Congress admitted it. So <laughs> they're already they're already feigning. They're already. Starting, you know, they're already starting to show their hand there that they're wanting to do this. It's a matter of time. Now again, I'm not, I don't want to put the Lord Jesus Christ in a box. I'm not saying he couldn't intervene in these types of things. But America, the bottom line is ripe for judgment. You know, the blood of over 45 probably million innocent babies from the abortion mills, the, um, the gays and the lesbians, how they have taken over so many facets of the government, the hate crime bills, the, the pervert, I mean, you could go on and on and on. I mean, we, we, we deserve judgment. And the Bible says, judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. So, that's kind of a scary thought there. And that's why I believe the Bible says, Wherefore, come out from among, from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my children. Second Corinthians chapter 6, I believe, 18. 
17-18. So, this is something that we really, you know, it also says, Wherefore come out from among her, be ye not partakers of her plagues. Uh, so, we don't want to be partakers of these plagues that are coming. Now, already... The Pentagon is demanding that American military anthrax vaccine refusers submit DNA samples that are to be placed in the FBI's national database of criminals. This is the de facto criminalization of vaccine refusal. So again, this is their, their, these people, all they did is they didn't want the anthrax vaccine. They were in the military. So they forced them to submit DNA samples to be put in the FBI's national database of criminals. Which, you know, again, is the, is the de facto criminalization of vaccine refusal. And because emergency authorities enacted in the 2004 Project BioShield Act, all American civilians can now be subjected to the same erosion of civil rights. Now remember, that's the Project BioShield is what uh, President Bush signed on July 21st, 2004 that I first mentioned there. And now we can have the same treatment done to us. Okay, and it can be all legal-like. Because of um, wonderful Mr. President Bush, of all the fun things that he's done since he's been in office. Now, I'm not blaming everything on him. I realize he's, you know, he's like a puppet on a string, pretty much. But fact remains is he was the the one used to impose um, a lot of these things on us. And then, did you know, former President Clinton, because we don't want to leave him out, quietly signed Executive Order 13139 on September 30th, 1999. This was a ways back here. This... This order requires military personnel to receive experimental vaccines not approved by the FDA and denies the soldiers the right to refuse or to even be provided with informed consent of what they are receiving. Oh, that's nice. Here, we're going to give you this cyanide vaccine. You don't have any right to know what's in it, boy. You know, you, and you can't refuse it either. Well, that's essentially what that's saying. And it's an executive order that was signed by Clinton... Executive Order 131339, September 30th, 1999. I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that. Experimental vaccines, and they don't even know what's in them, and they can't refuse them. Okay? Coming to a neighborhood near you, probably, unfortunately. And um, going further, it says, so many people think it couldn't happen in America. Well, obviously, we've already looked at the legislation's already in place, but there are places that it already has happened. And this is a letter from a man named Kahura Nakubra, Cuba. He is part of the African Against World Destruction. This is from 102003. Now, on my PowerPoint presentation, I actually show you a picture of him speaking on C-SPAN. So this isn't some fringe guy that, that you know wrote this remote story that nobody knows about. He was actually addressed. Uh, uh, he actually addressed uh, many people on C-SPAN. And his his letter. This is just an excerpt from the letter. He says, "Greetings. I bring you from Uganda." While the Ugandan police are busy hunting for me to question me for my remarks against vaccination, the 15th of October was the day of reckoning for the Ugandan Ministry of Health and their partners, the so-called Big Three, the World Health Organization, UNICEF, and USAID. Now, over in Africa, it's already basically the, the biofascism thing that we mentioned earlier has already been done. They're all working together with the Ugandan government, the Ugandan military, the World Health Organization, UNICEF, and USAID. Okay, they're all working together to force them and again, I'll, I'll keep reading here. It was a day when their massive immunization campaign was to be implemented, when attendance was expected to be 100%. The government had indeed done the unthinkable. They decreed that all parents have to take their children for immunizations regardless of their health status. They threatened those who would resist immunization with imprisonment, young and old, male and female. 
The Minister of National Political Commissar, Crispus Cunyaga, directed the police to arrest anyone thought to be sabotaging the exercise. The Minister of Health and Army Brigadier and Minister of Information all directed the police to arrest all parents or even the children that resisted vaccination. It was to be vaccination at gunpoint. End of quote. And there's a full transcript you can go up there and read yourself in regard to this. I give you the link to that. So again, unfortunately, we have the same legislation in place right now. And all it would really take is, is any health emergency, real or imagined, in order to implement the same thing on American soil. It's already there. I'm not making this stuff up. Now, here's some more quotes. Dr. Lancott, he was an, another MD. He is the author of The Medical Mafia, uh, kind of a catchy little name for a book, and he was quoted saying, vaccination enables the selection of populations to be decimated. Now this is again from another MD. The selection of populations to be decimated? It facilitates targeted genocide. It permits one to kill people of a certain race, a certain group, a certain country, and to leave others untouched. In the name of health and well-being, of course. Okay, so again, they try to come out smelling like a rose, and it's well known they've been trying to kill those poor Africans off, you know, for a long, long time. And um, so that's what he wrote. Then we have Dr. Kalkernios of the International Vaccine Newsletter. I think we quoted him earlier. This is from June of 1995, and he was quoted saying, quote, my final conclusion after 40 years or more in the business of medicine is that the unofficial policy of the world Remember, this is the unofficial policy of the World Health Organization and the Save the Children's Fund and other vaccine-promoting organizations is one of murder and genocide. I cannot see any other possible explanation. You cannot immunize sick children, malnourished children, and expect to get away with it. You'll kill far more children than would have died from natural infection. Now, again, that's another MD. And everybody might think, a lot of people say, oh, no, save the children's and all these wonderful organizations that are over there feeding the children in Africa. And many of them are vaccine-promoting organizations. The, the Bible says, woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put lightness for dark and dark for light and bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And that's what they're doing. They're calling something evil good. And, they're, you know, and many Americans are sending their monies to these organizations thinking they're doing something good. So it's it's just a very sad thing. And when you immunize sick children, he says, and malnourished children, you'll kill far more children than would have died from the natural infection because it's such an assault on their immune system. Their immune systems are really incapable of defending themselves from the vaccines. I mean, American kids are bad enough because of all the things they're doing to our food supply and how the kids so much of the time eat pure junk food and all the stuff. But hey... Over there, they're even in a worse position. So, um, unfortunately, it's all by design. Now, the vaccines cultivated from aborted infants. Now, we talked about this a little bit. I'm going to actually give you um, the 13 vaccines that are court, uh, that are actually cultured from aborted babies. Merivax, Rutavax, and Aravax, measles and rubella, MRVax, Rutavax, Rudy Rovax, rubella. Well, that's really a catchy name. Rudy Rovax, rubella. And mumps. Uh, Bivax MMR, MMR2, ROR, Trimovax, and Priorix, Hepatitis A. Now, if you go up to my, my, my um, PowerPoint presentation, um, the Avion Flu, the 16-parter up on YouTube, you'll find a listing of all of these. And again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to try to include this in my, uh, in my PDF file, if I can find it. Um, anyway, 
Then we have the hepatitis A vaccine uh, for chickenpox, Havarix, VAQTA, that's one. And then we have Varivax polio, poliovax rabies, immovax smallpox. And now, if you go into a physician's desk reference, if you really want to do this the right way and you really want to try to prove this to be either wrong or right, okay, I, I challenge you, go, go ahead, please be my guest because I went there and did this very thing. I can tell you it's in there. When you go and look up these vaccines, here's how you... I told you before that what you'll see in there in the ingredient list is human diploid cell cultures. That's how they're going to list it. It's the nice candy-coated way of saying we've grown and cultured this vaccine off an aborted baby. Okay? Human diploid cell cultures. And then there's only three, at least at the time I did this research, there was only three human aborted baby cell culture lines that they use to grow these vaccines. One is called WI-38, another is called MRC-5, and another is called RA27 forward slash 3. Now, uh, those are the three, if, if it says human diploid cell culture, you'll find one of those three numbers with it, okay? As an example of what I can uh, I can show you that, uh, let's say, what one of these cell lines means, like RA27-3, okay, what does that stand for? The R stands for rubella, the A stands for abortus, as an aborted baby, the 27 stands for the 27th aborted baby, and the 3 stands for the third tissue sample of the 27th aborted baby that they got the rubella from, the, the rubella vaccine culture from. So, there you have it. There's just one explanation. You, you could do that for the other two as well. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of clarification there. Now, Robert McNamara, the former president of the World Bank, former secretary of state in the United States and a member of the expanded program on immunizations, has made some very disturbing remarks. As reported by a French journal, he was quoted on 10279 as stating, one must take draconian measures of demographic reduction against the will of the populations. Reducing the birth rate is proved to be impossible or insufficient. One must therefore increase the mortality rate. How? By natural means. Famine and sickness. See, they'll make it look natural, but they're actually creating the famine and sickness. And this is Robert McNamara, former president of World Bank, former secretary of state in the United States. So he says we have to take draconian or evil measures of demographic reduction population reduction against the will of the population. Why? Because these you know, tree-hugging, Satanist, Luciferian, Illuminati type of people are that evil. And they think they know what's best for us. So they have to do this against our will because they know what's best for us. U.S. Representative Ron Paul said, when we give the government the power to make medical decisions for us, we in essence accept that the state owns our bodies. Senate Bill 873 um Bans drug and vaccine damage claims. This is by Dr. Carolyn Dean. She's an MD and an ND. This is from 102705. There's a bill before the U.S. Senate right now called the Biodefense and Pandemic Vaccine and Drug Development Act of 2005. Senate Bill 1873, nicknamed BioShield 2. Now, we already talked about BioShield 1, which is the one President um, Bush signed, in which they can impose the mandatory vaccinations on us based on any emergency rule or imagine. This is BioShield 2, nicknamed. And it says that if passed, would strip Americans of the right to a trial by jury if harmed by an experimental or licensed drug or vaccine that they are forced by the government to take. So it just gets worse and worse and worse. Okay, now they want to 
They want to make sure you can't come back and sue them ever for taking a vaccine you were forced to take and not even told what was in it. So that's that's the that's the uh, the game here. So this will be whenever a federal health officials declare public health emergency. The bill establishes the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Agency (BARDA) as the single point of authority within the government for the advanced research and the development of drugs and vaccines in response to bioterrorism and natural disease outbreaks, such as avian flu. Now, I did a 14-city tour on the avian flu. The Lord convicted me that this was going to be a big problem. They're going to play the avian flu card at some point, unless the Lord Jesus Christ intervenes. They've they've expended way too much effort, way too much uh, propaganda, in regard to this thing, and if you if you watch my my presentation on the avian flu, I'll walk you through the whole thing there. Okay, it's it's not what you most people think. Okay, so it's something that I think we need to get educated on. BARDA will operate in secret, exempt from the Freedom of Information Act and the Federal Advisory Committee Act. Oh, good. So they're going to operate in secret, ensuring that no evidence of injuries or deaths caused by drugs and vaccines labeled as countermeasures will become public. So again, they're going to suppress all of the of the deaths and injuries caused by the drugs and vaccines. These are termed countermeasures. Is, isn't this one of the most evil things you've ever heard of in your life? This whole subject. I mean, now we're in the sixth part. Isn't this pure evil? I, you know, I'm amazed just reading it over again. And, and I, again, I did this. I did this presentation. Um, my word, in 14 different cities across America over 15 nights. It was in a different city every night other than one. It was pretty brutal, let me tell you. But um, I, I'm still amazed when I see this information. So anyway, going further, this next article is entitled U.S. Plan for Flu Pandemic Revealed by the Washington Post. This is 41606. This National Pandemic Influenza Response Plan identifies more than 300 specific tasks for the federal agencies, including determining which frontline workers should be vaccinated first. The Treasury Department is poised to sign agreements with other nations to produce currency if U.S. mints cannot operate. Why? Because they're expecting so many people to either be dead or sick or out of work that they've got to find they have to have some other contingency plan. To keep the 1.8 million federal um, workers healthy and productive through a pandemic, the Bush administration would tap into its secure stash of medications and they would cancel large gatherings. National Guard troops could be distributed, dispatched to cities facing possible insurrection, said Jeffrey Runge, chief medical officer at Department of Homeland Security. We know they have our best interests at heart. And the Department of Veteran Affairs has developed a drive-through medical exam to quickly assess patients who suspect they have been infected. A drive-through medical... They're already, they're already starting to do this. You can actually order a Whopper and a, or a Big Mac, either one, when you drive through as well. So it's a little bit more of an incentive for you to go. No, just kidding. I made that last part up. But anyway, I have a picture of a lady at one of these drive-through medical exams, and this guy's happily in his car, and uh, he's getting uh, vaccinated while he's in sitting in his car. He hasn't got out of his car. Okay, and that way they can speed up things quite a bit, you know, because you can just do it out in the parking lot. I mean, it's real sanitary out there and everything, you know, you got a sterile needle, you're putting it into them, you got all these concoctions you're injecting into them. I mean, you know, what's not to like? So anyway, if you go further, Barbara Lowe Fisher, co-founder of the National Vaccine Information Center, said, quote, if the state can tag, track down, and force citizens against their will to be injected with biologicals, 
of unknown toxicity today, there will be no limit on what individual freedoms the state can take away in the name of the greater good tomorrow. Good point. Um, and then I give a link here to take proactive steps against the Senate bill that we just mentioned. It's www.909shot. 909shot.com. Um, and they have action alerts. You can subscribe to her email. And there's a lot of, you know, most of them are medical doctors that are, that are the ones crying out against this. I mean, that's all we've quoted all night. Medical doctors and PhDs, they know how evil and draconian this is. Okay, so I believe that adds more validity to this argument because you can't say I have a bias. I mean, they're the ones that are actually devoted their whole life. They went to medical schools, these types of things. So, I believe it has more validity coming from them in in this particular case. Okay, so going further, the next slide was entitled G8 Nations Shape Plan to Fight Diseases. This is in the Wall Street Journal, page A8, 2306, reporting out of Moscow. The U.S. and its wealthy allies are moving to approve a first-of-its-kind plan to encourage pharmaceutical companies to develop vaccines for diseases that afflict countries too poor to afford them. Isn't that nice of them? Under an advanced market commitment plan, the G8 nations would promise to subsidize the purchase of new vaccines for between 8 million and 6 billion. Now remember, this is population reduction, control. Create a weak, sickly population. At bare minimum, they're easy to control. At bare maximum, they're dead. So we don't have to worry about them anymore. Okay, that's that's the the, line, the bottom line here. These are the G8 nations, the power, eight most powerful nations on the planet. Okay, and they're working with the pharmaceutical companies to develop vaccines. I mean, in light of all the information we just went over, you know, that really shouldn't make you feel warm and fuzzy. If we go further, flu shot blitz planned. This is uh, from the Union Leader News Service. This is from ten twenty six oh five. This did happen. Uh, I followed up on this after. Um, it, it was announced three New Hampshire communities were making plans to give out a single blast of 5,000 flu shots on 11-1905 as part of a drill to prepare for a wide stem, widespread epidemic. The effort is being undertaken to test the state's ability to render emergency mass inoculations as the threat of avian flu unfolds. Now, avian flu is without a doubt the most immediate threat that they have devoted more energy to than anything else in regard to mass inoculations. Okay, and that's one of the reasons that I did the 14-city tour, for that very reason. Because it is by far, I believe, the, the, the most major threat out there to, you know, young and old. The drill will test the ability of health officials to issue mass vaccinations and judicial judicial issues involving quarantine and isolation. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security is paying for the flu shots, so they're covering the tab, Homeland Security. Now, the Council on Foreign Relations in its recent journal report says, if a global flu pandemic ensues, in short order, the global economy would shut down Vaccines would have no impact on the course of the virus in the first months and would likely play an extremely limited role worldwide following the 12 to 18 months of the pandemic. Well, hold on. That's Council of Foreign Relations. That's, they, that was said in their uh, magazine, Foreign Affairs, July, August 2005. They're saying the exact opposite of pretty much everything else that I've been 
indicating and posturing, pretty much, because they're talking a lot about vaccines and this and that, but the Council of Foreign Relations, who is one of the most draconian organizations on the planet, is saying, and they're admitting, that the vaccines would have no impact on the course of the virus the first 18 months, and would likely play an extremely limited role worldwide during the following 12 to 18. You know, what gives here? You know, they're admitting this, that the vaccines aren't, aren't, aren't even going to play a role. So, you know, it's just unbelievable what they're, abso- what they're actually admitting to. Now, from a biblical standpoint, some reasons that we need to look at issues like this. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're talking about Satan's devices, and for the most part, the vast majority of Christendom has totally been taken advantage of by Satan, because they are ignorant of his devices. Hosea 4, 6, again, my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 1 Corinthians 2, 15, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. A lot of people say, oh no, I can't judge these situations. It's not for me to do that. Well, hold on. The Bible says he was spiritual judgeth all things. Jesus Christ said judge righteous judgment. The kind of judgment we don't want to judge is hypocritical, pharisaical judgment where we have a beam in our own eye and we're judging the speck in our brother's eye and that's why Jesus said judge not lest ye be judged in that particular instance. Go read the parable. Okay? And it's very, very clear what he's talking about there. It's hypocritical judgment. But we have to judge all day long in order to survive. I mean, you have to judge all the time when you're driving your car, don't you? You know, I mean, oh, I'm just going to blow through that red light and I'm not going to judge, you know. So again, I just wanted to touch on that. Uh, next article is entitled, U.S. Vaccines Cause the Spanish Flu. This is from the Vaccine Liberation of 12103. The 1918 Spanish Flu started in American military camp Funston. Fort Riley, among World War I troops who received the vaccinations administered by the military, that flu strain only appeared briefly once again, according to the U.S. Atlanta CDC. This was in 1976, and again it struck at U.S. Army Camp Fort Dix, amongst recently vaccinated troops and no one else ever. Fort Dix is known to have been a vaccine trial center. And again, you have the military way back in 1918 conspiring with the pharmaceutical companies and the vaccinations and starting essentially the 1918 Spanish flu that killed anywhere from 50 to 100 million people, and that may be a conservative estimate. And this is one of the big things I emphasized during my PowerPoint presentation. The next slide was entitled Bird Flu or Weapons Grade Flu. The CDC, and this, again, I give you the links to every one of these articles. I'm just giving you excerpts. The CDC comparing the original H1N1 avian genome, avian flu genome, with the mutated 1918 H3N2 Fort Riley avian flu strain that caused the Spanish flu of 1918-1919, when they compared that with the Chinese H5N1 strain, which is the one we hear all the press about today, H5N1 avian flu, that's the one we... When they compared the 1918 strain with the current strain, the H5N1, the... um, the CDC, or, or, or Centers for Disease Control, believe that the H5N1, or the current strain, will mutate into an airborne influenza virus, as did the H3N2 strain did. Why does the CDC believe this? Because the U.S. military created the first military strain of influenza. The H1N2, or I'm sorry, H1N1, was morphed into the H3N2, or the Spanish flu, and that was created in Fort Riley, Kansas in April 1918 from a naturally occurring avian flu virus. So in other words, they played Frankenstein in a laboratory, created this 
highly virulent uh, avian flu strain, H3N2, and released it, unfortunately, through the vaccinations. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look at that next. This is another confirmation. Again, the, uh, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. We're going to give you more than three even here. Uh, this is entitled The Flu 1918. And now it's from a... Uh, Article from Eleanor McBean. She's a PhD ND. This is her excerpt from the Swine Flu Exposé, Chapter 2. She said, quote, I was an on-the-spot observer of the 1918 influenza epidemic. All the doctors and people who were living at the time of the 1918 Spanish flu influenza epidemic say it was the most terrible disease the world had ever had. Strong men, hale and hardy, one day would be dead the next. The disease had the characteristics of the Black Death. Added to typhoid, diphtheria, pneumonia, smallpox, paralysis, and all the diseases the people had been, what? Vaccinated with immediately following World War I. Practically the entire population had been injected or seeded with a dozen or more diseases or toxic serums. When all those doctor-made diseases started breaking out all at once, it was tragic. That pandemic dragged on for two years, kept alive with the addition of more poison drugs administered by the doctors who tried to suppress the symptoms. As far as I could find, the flu only hit the vaccinated. Those who had refused the shots escaped the flu. Isn't that ironic? My family had refused all the vaccinations, so we remained well all the time. End of quote. Her family refused the vaccinations, and they didn't get touched by it. So that doesn't really bode well with taking the uh, whatever avian flu vaccine that they're going to release. And the the, the um, Council of Foreign Relations has already stated that it's going to have no impact on the disease. Okay, so, and again, then you look at all the other macabre, draconian things we talked about. It's, it doesn't really bode well with taking these. So that a nation that is ignorant of its past is a nation that is ripe for deception and manipulation. Okay, so this is something we want to be aware of because it's already happened once. You know, 50 to 100 million people killed. And not, it's, it's, it's a huge reason that World, that World War I ended. I don't know if you know that. It's a big reason that it ended because of this. 50 to 100 million people, nobody's going to be worrying about really wanting to go to war that much when you got that kind of people dying worldwide. Okay, so again, we're just not we're we're not told the the real truth in the history books most of the time. This next one is from the Irish Examiner, and it is entitled "Vaccine, Not Virus, Responsible for the Spanish Flu." Now, these are all unrelated sources, all saying the same things. This is from five twenty nine oh three. The army doctors knew all these cases of disease and death were due to vaccination. Remember, look at this. The army doctors knew all these cases of disease and death. We're talking about the Spanish flu of 1918-1919. They knew all the disease and deaths were due to vaccination and were honest enough to admit it in their medical reports. Don't think you're going to find any of those medical reports now. But they were at the time. When army doctors tried to suppress the symptoms of typhoid with a stronger vaccine, it caused a worse form of typhoid, paratyphoid. But when they concocted an even stronger vaccine to suppress that one, they created an even worse disease, Spanish flu. After the war, this was one of the vaccines used to protect a panic-stricken world from the soldiers returning from the World War I battlefronts infected with these dangerous diseases. End of quote. So the rest is history. 50 to 100 million people died worldwide. So the evidence strongly suggests that the Spanish flu of 1918 was actually created and spread through vaccinations. 
But the panic-stricken public demanded a vaccination, not realizing that was the way in which the disease was spreading. Will history repeat itself? You think they're any less evil now than they were back then? Just look at what's going on in America, for instance. I think they're way more evil now. So I really want to put a whole lot by them. Uh, this is uh, the next article, The Avion Flu Fright, which is uh, politically timed for global iatrogenocide. Uh, this is by Leonard Horowitz. He's a dentist. He's got three different degrees. This is from 101105. Uh, he says, to make the human vaccine specific for H5N1 mutant virus, you must first start with a human virus, which does not exist yet. Because, see, that's the big thing they keep saying. Well, the virus hasn't, yes, H5N1 is there, but it hasn't mutated into an airborne human-to-human form yet. Okay? Now, without that mutation occurring, now they're saying it's very close, but it hasn't done it yet. Not where it's going to, not where it's going to, they do say that there has been some human-to-human transmissions that have taken place through immediate family members, but nothing beyond that. I'm talking an easily mutatable form, one that's easily spreadable form. Okay, um, He's saying that you must start with a human virus which does not yet exist, except in perhaps military, biomedical, pharmaceutical laboratories. In fact, that is precisely what is being prepared based on news reports. Well, this is what they did at Fort, uh, Fort Funston. Okay, it's what they did in 1980. It's what they've, all those other four articles that I just quoted, why wouldn't they be doing it now? Somewhere. And then we have the I Am Legend movie. I don't know if you've, you've seen, I'm not telling you to go watch this movie, but it's with Will Smith and, again, top Hollywood box office guy. And it, essentially, after an outbreak of a lethal vaccine-induced virus in 2009... Okay, now this is a vaccine-induced virus, 2009. Remember, Hollywood always telegraphs their punches. We have got so many movies and uh, TV series out there right now that are promoting this black death plague that's going to overtake the planet. I mean, I I can't tell you how many there are. I've lost track. And they're coming out all the time. And it's either some vaccine or some plague that's going to wipe out the planet. And again, Hollywood always telegraphs his punch. All there are is an extension of the Illuminati, essentially. And um, this I, I Am Legend movie, uh, after an outbreak of the lethal vaccine-induced virus in 2009, in 2012, U.S. Army virologist Lieutenant Colonel Robert Neville, who is um, Will Smith, he is left as one of the last healthy humans on Earth. He is one of the few survivors of the biochemical virus introduced via a cancer cure vaccine. Now, this cancer cure vaccine they introduced in the movie had a 100% success rate. 100% cured cancer every time. Now, can you imagine if they came out with something like that? (laughs) People would be flocking to it. Uh, The problem is, is it turned everybody into zombies. Uh, so for three years, Neville has been trying to discover a cure for this disease and to find out if any other people might have also survived. The vaccine virus has killed the vast majority of the planet, transformed all the remaining infected survivors into mutant victims of the plague. Um, you know, really, really, really horrific, you know, just demonic mutants that it changed them into. And these are all the people that took this cancer cure uh, virus vaccine. Okay, so he is looked at in this movie as a type of Christ, and I'm, I mean that literally. In fact, I just saw an email the other day where it's 
they gave all these parallels in the movie that I had that that I was not even aware of, where they're comparing him to Jesus Christ. It was the blood that that, that he gave them at the end that was going to end up being the savior of humanity, just like Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross. You know, it goes on and on and on about all the parallels. It, it's really really blasphemous if you look at it from that standpoint. So again, anyway, that was just the theme of this one movie. There's so many others. I just don't really have time to get into all of them. Uh, I'll, I'll end with a few scriptures here. Psalm 112 verse 7 says, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. All I've given you today is evil tidings. I hate to say that. Evil news. Okay, But again, it's news that's necessary. It may not be fun to hear, but I also don't want to see anybody being destroyed for lack of knowledge. Uh, the Bible says that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Okay, so we got to be on guard for this. So he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. And then we have Proverbs 29, verse 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare. We've quoted this one. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Okay, now these are verses you really should be memorizing, committing to memory, because if they do come and take away our Bibles, the only verses you may know are going to be in your head. Okay, so that's something to think about. Psalm 66, verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if somebody's got all kind of gigantic frank sin issues that they're dealing with, and they're praying to God, and they're wondering why their prayers aren't getting answered, well, a lot of times it's because they're regarding iniquity in their heart. And there's a lot of things you can do to get your prayers um, unanswered, I guess you should say. And I've done whole teachings on this. I believe it's entitled, uh, The Biblical Keys to Answered Prayer. You can do a keyword search on my homepage. For any of the subjects that, that we've talked about in the past, you only have to even put in a part of the word. Like, if you were searching for vaccinations, you just put in V-A-C-C or something, you know, whatever, however you spell it. Um, and you would actually be able to find that teaching just from a partial word because it searches, I think I've got over 210 up there now. So, anyway, um, that is the end for part 6. Hopefully this will come out okay, and I will continue part 7 on Sunday. May the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.